Hey, Hoopheads. Once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson. And welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Yeah, yeah. Let's get down to business and talk some Miami heat. Well, before we begin, Kenneth, how you doing, man? I can't complain, man. Always lovely to be here talking Miami Heat basketball. And now we have some actual Miami Heat basketball to talk about, man. I'm excited. I can't wait. It's a great time to be here. It's a great time to be alive. Let's get it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So... As Kenneth mentioned, we finally, after four long months, we had some Miami Heat action on Monday. Where we Not going to cut you up. off, but you said four months. See, that's an important thing to remember. Everybody out there, we had a whole offseason, by the way. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. I don't want to hear nothing about, you know, all that jibbery-jabbery-jazz that y'all been kicking since last season. We had a whole offseason. Now y'all going to have to deal with it. I'm sorry, cocky Heat fan back in effect. It's only been one preseason game. Woosah. Ooh. Before we start discussing the first preseason game, we should probably make this disclaimer. We know it's only one preseason game. It's only one, and it's a preseason game. So we know we got to temper our expectations, but still, you, it was JJ. really encouraging. We... I had to light a candle over here. It's still really exciting what we saw in the first game. Really encouraging. So I guess... Where else to start than with Tyler Hero? Boy, was he incredible in that game, was he? Again, it was a preseason game, but the work he put in the offseason, it was apparent. He looked stronger. He looked more assertive. He looked more comfortable with the ball in his hands. He, well, I can't say enough. He even had a chase down block. Like, he fought on defense. I know that, you know, it's a, again, it's a preseason game and whatever, and the stars weren't really playing. I think Trey Young exited the game earlier, pretty early, right? He yep. Well, Lower he only leg, played I mean, seventeen. Thigh or something like that, or groin. Yeah, I, I mean, think hamstring, he, something of that nature. Gabe Benson bumped his knee into his leg, and they decided to hold him out for the rest of the game. It's a okay, Gabe, you know, getting that getting that good stuff in. Early. No, I'm joking, man. We never hope for injuries. I'm just joking. Um, yeah. I mean, so if you look at the actual minutes that Trey Young played, he played seventeen minutes. Yeah, according to the box score here, you're right, 17 minutes. Oh, eight, I got 18 minutes on this box score. Um, in 18 minutes, 14 points, three assists, not terrible. Um, like the rest of the stars, you have to imagine he only played, you know, 22, 23, 24 max. So he wouldn't have done much more than that, but he might have got 20 points in those 20 or so minutes. So, yeah, eh, that's something to keep an eye on. Important to note, Jimmy Butler did not play in this game. Absolutely, absolutely. Understandably, and so still, you know, he, and the Heat still look marvelous. By the way, preseason, oh, we yeah. know we're not going to say it anymore. We know, but even without Jimmy Butler, you're really encouraged to see how good they looked, how and how early on, like you know, from the jump, from the onset. You know what I mean? It's really encouraging to see, and like I said, especially without the guy that is your best guy. Yeah, and how fast the the offense plays so fast, and it was a testament to. I, w- I was a bit surprised to see us play so fast. Kyle Lowry was dishing the ball to everybody. He was he he was feeding everybody. 
P.J. Tucker had a couple of corner threes. That's the P.J. Tucker special. You expect nothing less. I would like to see him not drive the ball like he did on a couple of occasions there. We're, we're not here Preseason, for that, Preseason. <laughs> I, I, it has to only be because of the preseason. We, we want you taking the shot, PJ. Shoot the shot. Um, to your to your comment though, I totally expected it, and not to say that I saw it a mile away, but if you know, you know what Kyle Lord does and how we get it done, then you know you had an expectation there. But also, there was something said immediately prior to the season by Coach Spo. Um, even outside of the fact that he preaches pace and trying to increase the pace before every season. Shout out to Rich Nurse, um, who actually covered that topic at All You Can Heat, where I'm the site expert. He covered that topic recently. Um, but on top of, you know, that general notion of always, you know, trying to increase the pace coming into every season, Spo had noted specifically how he's admired and feared at the same time for so long Cal Laurie's pace and his ability to totally destroy a game plan. He, he spoke to his pace and his ability to do everything he can do from all levels of the floor and how it's so volatile, but in a great way that you just can't scheme for it. So that kind of, you know, leaned me towards the expectation that we were definitely going to see it deployed. And like I said, man, he did not disappoint. Um, to give you a little spew on Tyler Hero from my side, though, you mentioned the one chase down block. He had two, and that first one, you know, I'll give it to him, was attending. But just based off that, I said it then. That one was attending, but a lot of them won't be. And darn if you know, before the game was over, he had actually did one that wasn't attending. So um, you're very encouraged by that, man. Even like you mentioned, the defense, you you can say what you want. It's just a preseason game. We know we're going to keep mentioning that. But at the same time, his effort, his intensity, his want to, and, and, and those things were on full display. And it showed in those chase down blocks because, you know, not that – you have a long list of history, but typically he's not making that play, you can say, but those are also plays that guys give up on, and he's shown you a willingness early on. One preseason game, we know, again, and for the umpteenth time, he's shown you a willingness early on to finish that play, and especially if it looks like it looked on Monday night, whoa, we're in for mm. a treat. And that's just the defense. That's just the defense. Hey, let's let's go ahead and say it's six men of the year. Without a doubt, JJ, I'm, uh, I placed my wager immediately following Monday's game. Um, luckily, I caught it before they dropped because I'm sure they've dropped by now. If you looked at the way he got it done offensively, one of the things for me about his strength was not only so that maybe it would help his handle a little bit and not his overall general handle, his pressure handle, his handle in traffic, his handle out top, the handle that matters when you're relied on to be a impact player for a title contending team. Um, you can see how the strength impacted that. But with the guy's ability to be able to finish from a multiple and very versatile set of platforms or just in a very, you know, multiple or a plethora of different positions, the strength was important because up until now, he's found himself having to do that because the defense or the physicality of whoever was guarding him forced him to do that. Now, again, he could convert, which is a part of his special ness or the part of the special qualities of Tyler. It's a part of what makes him who he is. I'll put it like that. But at the same time, now he can go to those platforms, those different shots, those different angles, those different releases, those wanky finishes because he wants to, because he can now fully manipulate or at least have more control over where he's going on the court when dealing with guys that may have been too strong or too physical for him in the past. So you look at the way he finished the floaters, you look at the way he shot the frame shot, you look at the way he shot all of his shots, 
and he did it off the dribble. He did it going to the cup. He did it any way you wanted it. Tyler Hero gave it to you offensively. And as I mentioned in the beginning about his defense, if he's going to give you both sides of that, there's no world where he's not a top contender for six man because he's going to be relied on. He's going to get the opportunity. And when you put the guys around him that you can put on around him in the second unit, which we'll touch on a little bit, um, it's set up for him to just be able to produce like that every night. Not saying 26 points across 26 minutes, a point per minute, but high major production. It's set up for him to be able to do that every night. And he had a good rapport with Bam going in those pick and rolls. He even threw a lob to him. I want to highlight a specific possession. Nikai Duncan, who does great work over at the Dunker Spot podcast and for basketball news, he highlighted a possession from Tyler Hero in the preseason game, which I think illustrates how far along he looked in that in the first preseason game. So first he puts he take he takes a screen, puts the defender on his hip, and he sees Gallinari playing drop coverage. So he waits for Gallinari to drop a bit more and he then with the defender on his hip he releases the shot and he makes it. That's high level offensive play from Tyler Hero. And that's the type of thing that's as you mentioned, with his added strength strength, as you say, and his improved ball handling, I should I should also mention, he he that makes him a top contender for six men of the year and a huge part of our team and we're here for the jump. We're here for it. This is a third year. This is his first real off season as an NBA pro, excluding of course his rookie season, which in which he went to summer league and all that. But still, he looked amazing, and I'm really excited for what the future holds for him. Again, obviously, just one preseason game, but it was really encouraging to see him do all that. Maybe it's just that we were starved for Miami Heat basketball, and he gave us all that, and it's a lot to take in. But still, I want to talk about Kyle Lowry now. How fitting it was Hold that. On, not, to, not to get too far off, I want to <clears throat> close the entire bowl around Tyler Hero. Um, and per Barry yeah, Jackson at the Miami Herald, I think he had the quote. And maybe you've seen this, and I'm sure a lot of you guys out there have seen it. Tyler Hero said there are guys or there are people out there who are sleeping on him, and he plans to wake them up this season. Um, I'll be quite honest with you. In one preseason game, you know, that's our disclaimer. That's the, that's the phrase of the day around here. One preseason game, we know. But based on his performance in that game, um, you know, that that's a, that's a pretty good start at making sure these people have their folders. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So now moving on to Kyle Lowry because I really want to talk about him. The box. Uh, we'll the box get to Kyle is, you know, Lord, man. How can we not talk about Kyle Lord? You know we're gonna talk about Kyle Lord, JJ. If you take the if you take the box score box score at face value, and he only and he played 15 minutes and he still had five points, four rebounds, and seven assists, which in 15 minutes of play, I think that's quite effective. But if you only look it's at the box score, it's a triple double good. extrapolated out to a regular game. It's a triple double. Exactly. If you look only at the box score, I think you're gonna miss so much of of the impact he brought in that limited time he had on the court. The way he was pushing the pace, the way he was able to make the secondary pass almost instantly, as he received, as almost instantly, the, as soon as he received the ball, because he read the re, the defense ahead of the play. That's what a that's what an elite point guard does. The pick and roll game he had with Bam, when Bam, when you know he gave gave the ball to Bam in the post when he and he received the ball. Bam, I think it was he got double or didn't like the look he had, so he gave it back and Kyle gave it back to him again. Those are the types of things we like to see from a point from our point guard, and you know, obviously his downhill ability. Although he didn't have a a lot going on there, he he did get fouled on one, I think, and he made both free throws, hence his five points. How fitting! I want to get to this. 
how fitting that his first points as a Miami Heat member came, you know, as a member of the Miami Heat unofficially, right? Because those don't count. Came on a pull-up three off the dribble. How was I mean, that? It was only appropriate. I mean, that's the patent calorie ability that we talked about so much coming into this season. And that's also what we said with not only help take us to that other another level, but to make a famous quote from a famous movie, you'll, you'll find out. We've been talking about movies around here a lot, guys, so maybe you'll get some movie quotes. Um, but to take it to that whole other level, um, that's the ability, that three-level ability, and especially from range 40 to pull up on a dime when he needs to. That's the ability we talked about coming in, man. So appropriate, and I mean extremely fitting, that that was his first Miami Heat bucket because that's what we were looking forward to, and that's the thing that we wanted. I'll mention this, though, and you kind of – hinted at it when you said that if you look at the box score, it doesn't show its impact. Not to go completely, you know, we're not debating that because I agree with you to some extent, but it's a phenomenon going on there where it does actually tell the story of its impact. And as I mentioned, if you extrapolate it out to a whole game, it's a triple-double. Well, when you think about guys like Draymond Green and DeJounte Murray from the Spurs, I I hope I'm pronouncing it the first name right. I think I am. DeJounte Murray from the Spurs, he was one of those guys for me. You look at it, and you're like, people are so high on them. And you're like, but he's not. What, where are the numbers? But then you look at the box score, and he may not be killing you in points. He'd get right at 10 or right at 11, 12, 14 maybe. But then he's filling every other aspect of the box score up. Draymond Green DeJounte Murray are great examples of that. Um, it's like that is highly Prime, valuable. Prima Horford was – Probably right, the another one. Exactly. Guy. Like he might not have but 10 or 11 points, but then you look and he got 14 boards and nine dimes. It's like, yo, that's valuable. So that, I think it does kind of highlight, you know, the, the complete value of Kyle Laurie, even though it wasn't to the greatest extent or to the greatest impact. But again, I agree with you. If you're just basing how was his first game strictly off his numbers, you won't get a full impact of, you know, what he will be for the Miami Heat, what he did early in that first game. Um, and what you hope that he's able to do for a deep run through the postseason and into the finals in, of each, the conference and the NBA, hopefully. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I'm just saying, man, I got high hopes for this team. Um, especially speaking, especially with that with that guy up in Brooklyn debate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Their That's season. something we'll eventually get to that because it doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon. So we got time. But to throw a little tidbit in it because we won't spend time on him today, but I got to I got to speak. I got to talk about Uncle Daddy. He's another guy, and you saw it early on. I think he had like five or six screen assists in the preseason game in only like 16 or so minutes. Um, But he's another guy. When you look at the box score, it doesn't tell the impact. So just to kind of highlight how that can absolutely be true there too, when you look at Kyle Laurie and Dwayne Dedman, both of those guys uh, are examples of how you don't necessarily have to fill it up to have a great impact. But your overall point stands true that Kyle Lurie did have a massive impact, and you saw it early and often, even though the box score won't necessarily tell you that if that's all you're going off. I really like, you know, Duncan right where he left off. We already know what Duncan provides us, and it's good to see him finally get paid because he was probably one of the best value contracts in the league, and now he got paid to his to his. I would say the services. best value, bro. Probably the best value there. Because you're talking about a top, what, four or five shooter, and we're being generous. I would say a top three because Clay wasn't playing. Um, you're talking about a top four or five shooter, 40%. Top three like, shooter. Right. I, right. I was being generous, though. you got to be fair and rational when you do what we do because you know how it goes. Um, but but that's what I said. <laughs> especially top th- especially I when we're top three. I, Absolutely. I believe top three because you don't have Clay Thompson in the league to take up one of those spots. 
But to be top five, to be completely generous and sure you get them in there. Um, and like I said, man, 40% or better on over eight attempts per game. I mean, what else do you want? Because that's four threes made per game. You can count on that. And I made this point recently. I don't know if it was Twitter or in some work, but either way, I think it was a good point. When you're talking about a guy like Duncan Robinson, a guy that you know is going to make half of his shots and he's going to take eight, ten of them a game, um, he's good alone for the spacing that it generally takes two guys to provide. You understand what I mean? Absolutely. Like and Because you because you your, always have to keep your eye on him. To your point about the top three shooters, without Clay, I would say, you know, this was unprompted. This wasn't discussed in the pre-pot, but, you know, sometimes Oh, by all means, draw. continue. Go ahead. The, I would I would say my top three were Steph, Buddy, and you know Duncan and Buddy. That's probably the top three for me right now. Without Clay, of course. Oh, and I don't, we don't okay. Know. So you're saying coming into this league, if you had to pick your top three shooters, you're going Steph, Buddy, and Duncan. Probably. I can't argue with that. I think there's probably somebody we're missing. Um, oh, I I gotta throw Evan Fournier in there. Um, and just I would based have on Buddy. the. Per- just based on the percentages, man. I, we can debate. We can debate on that. If you're just purely talking about shooting, not overall as a player, because uh, Evan Fournier was on no. fire last year. No, no, I mean shooting. When you say shooters, we only mean shooting, like right, people shooting. And I just want to make sure we're on the same page because uh, I don't know. I might take Fournier over Buddy in that in that situation. That's my third guy right now. And maybe we're still missing somebody. Like, what? Have we looked at Dougie McBucket's stats? I don't know, but I'm sure he's always one of the best shooters in the league, too. His buddy, Damian Lillard, of course. So there's a lot of good of good guys out there. But anyway, we, we went off track again. Right, because so, we can spend all day on that, but we won't. Okay, so the other guys that played aside, well, we got to talk about Bam, that Bam dunk. That was pretty special. Coming off a Kyle Lowry pass, that was... That's my new wallpaper, by the way. That Bam dunk, man, that was really cool to see. And Bam, he looked so strong. He he did say that he was able to, since he was recovering from that from a shoulder injury when when in the past off season, and since the off season was so so short, he didn't have time to pack on some muscle. So, well, he actually, well, he spoke about it. Not only was it that, but remember, he was dealing with the shoulder situation. Yeah, that's what I was mentioning. The offseason oh, okay. was so short, and he was recovering from a, so- oh, okay, a shoulder gotcha. I didn't know if you were just talking about the pure length, but even if it had a bit, I, I'll be honest with you, even if you had had a regular offseason, I think because you're so cautious with the injury, and especially to one of your main guys like that, I don't know if he would have got any work in either way. You know what I mean? Even if he had had time. Not to get back to where he, not to get back to where he is now, because right now he got that linebacker net. So, yeah, now those shoulders... Look, gigantic. He looks like a football player now. So, having him be stronger and still being the Bam that we know him, aggressive Bam. We loved it. I I loved it. I, although he only played like fifteen minutes as well, he played really well, and he had an instant connection with Kyle Lowry that you love to see it. Really, you really love to see it. So, want to talk about the other guys? Or well, you, you spoke about you spoke about Bam. you spoke about aggressive Bam, and you got to know that I'm over here smiling. I'm over here grinning like a Chester cat, um, and I say that to say this is what we need again, guys. Preseason game one, I need to see more of that. I'm on the other side. It's only preseason game one. Don't tell me it's gonna. 
But no, I, I love what I saw, man. Um, and this is one possession that really sticks out to me. There's a possession where Bam found himself right at the free throw line, foot in the paint, and for some strange reason, by some miraculous happen of circumstances, Trey Young is the guy that ends up guarding him. I'm not going to say that Bam passes that ball out more often than he doesn't, but it takes him a second to go. When he had that on Monday night, it was instant. Small work? Oh, my. Oh, 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 no. I'm, and he drew free throws. That mentality, the quickness, the promptness with which he decided to do that, that's different. And see, that's why I always categorize it as I don't necessarily specifically say just shoot the ball. Be offensively aggressive because it's going to lead to good things. Be that foul shots for you. Be that a foul for your teammate when the guys collapse on you and you dump it off to them because you're a good passer. I mean, just all kinds of cataclysm because you're being more offensively aggressive because at the end of the day, and even if you don't score the bucket, the defense has to account for that. And that's all. And you saw that on Monday night. I needed to continue. Need to keep up. I mean, need to continue there to progress was some up and up. There were some possessions where he backed down. Some, you know, I think it was one where he missed a shot, but he got a really good shot at, at the rim, and he it was basically him creating that shot. I don't care if you miss, you take that shot. You keep taking them because those are going to fall more often than not. I agree with you, man. I mean, and there was another possession where it was a post repost. I think. Uh, I can't remember who it was on the perimeter, so don't get me wrong. But they had got on the ball. He didn't like his position, so he got it back out. But he immediately reposted. It was Kyle Lowry. And yeah, that's Kyle a, Lowry, I, I mentioned. I mentioned that possession earlier. Is that the where, one you're talking about? Yeah, like he didn't like it. He got it back, back out. And though he didn't get it back on the repost, Kyle Lowry drove and got it to him at the rim. And like you said, I like I like that possession, even though he missed the shot. I love the sequence because. It showed you an offensive aggression that you haven't necessarily seen. He wanted it. He wanted it. And that's all I want. Now, hopefully, whenever they all three of them share the floor, and I mean all three when Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and Bam share the floor, Bam keeps that aggressiveness. And I know Jimmy is probably encouraging him because Jimmy doesn't seem like the type of guy that needs a fair amount of shot, a certain amount of shots to be, to be effective and, and win. He's a chameleon, so, man. He'll give you whatever you need. If you need somebody to get 10 dimes, he'll do it. If you need a guy to get you 20 points, he'll do it. If you need a guy to lock the other guy up and let everybody else on your team do the offensive part, Jimmy will do that. So I feel like if Bam is going like this, um, don't get me wrong, Jimmy will do what's needed. If that means getting 20, he'll go try to get you 20. But um, for the most part, I think he'll let Bam get off because if you'll remember, Jimmy also mentioned that he needs Bam to be more offensively aggressive. Yeah, particularly in that Minnesota game where that Jimmy was, wasn't spicy, but he got a bit candid there about Bam's aggressiveness. I remember that Minnesota game. Makes me sad. Anyway, Kenneth, this just occurred to me. Whenever we see aggressive Bam, should we mention a Space Bam sighting? Space Bam? Um, let's keep working on that one, JJ. <laughs> space Bam. Space Bam sounds cool, though. Welcome to the Space Bam. Anyway, I digress. No, I, I don't think it works. Because Bam Slam is reserved for his dunks. Um, hmm. 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 You gotta like how, how Bam Slam sounds. Oh, no, the Bam Slam is definitely... That's a patent, and, and but... um. 
as you mentioned, it's only like for a slam dunk situation. You like, gotta when, have, like the one he had over Sabonis last season. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's also, that's a band slam. What about the one he had over Tice? Ooh, that's a band slam as well. Last the, the, Monday night, that's a band slam. Oh yeah, mid game like that, reverse it on the fly like that. Oh, definitely a bam slam. So, let's we talk about the other out, guys. We gotta figure out something for the perimeter <laughs> situation. Though we gotta figure out some real nifty for that, because you know it's bam. If he if he does it, he he earns another nickname. But continue. Oh, let's talk about the other guys. We spent a bit of time on our on the main guys, Silo Hero, Kalari, and Bam and Abayo. But I want to talk about the other guys. How they looked. Caleb Martin. Wow. He could, yep. of, of course, we got to say it again. Only one preseason game, but he looked really good out there. So if he turns out to be, and he, he, if he gives us a semblance of, of a positive contribution, I already consider that a win because he's on a two-way contract. And we, that would essentially mean, that would essentially make him a steal. Yeah, so if you just look at the way he plays the game, man, he can only play 50 eligible games in the big leagues because he's on a two-way contract. And those will definitely be at the end of the season. And you can see him making a meaningful impact, like you said, even if it's only seven to ten minutes. But that's exactly the kind of lightning rod player he looks like. You know, the guy to get you a big possession, make a big steal, do the dirty work, dive out of bounds, throw the ball back in for a big shot. I, I agree with you. He looks like a guy that can contribute that. And he probably will because Spoke was probably asking the other night how many games he got left. And again, it was only the preseason. Yeah. So, Caleb Martin, he had... 11, 2, and 3. He had three blocks. He, and you know, he he exited the game for a while there because he got hit in the head, but then he came back. So I was, I got, you know, I got a bit scared there. He got the guts. Yeah. So, the other guys, Casey Akpala, Casey. Clock is ticking, KZ. Casey. By the way, KZ had the highest, uh, KZ was the highest plus minus rated guy on the floor the other night of both teams, but I, I digress. Hey, I don't take too much stock on plus minus because plus minus depends so much on who's on who's sharing the floor with you. I don't either, but when people want to do do on KZ, they sure use it against him. So I was just throwing it out there. I tell, I'm an eye test guy, man, and when it doesn't work, and that, and I told you this about stats. So when it works for him, people are so quick to go to the stats. When it doesn't work for him, they try to poo poo on the stats. So I use stats to try to back up what I can see. And if I can't back it up with the stat or if the stat doesn't match what I see, I won't even attempt to use it. Um, and just to give you a little bit about what you saw from Kezzy the other night, he shot the jumper with confidence. He hit the jumper. Um, and, of course, he was his same defensive all over the place self. You can say what you want about the way it looked to you, but if you know what you're looking at, he did his job. I mean, you were excited about the energy that Caleb Martin provided, and maybe you would look at it and say, well, why isn't the other guy doing that? But they're just not the same type of guys. I mean, they do it differently. And also, I think they'll deploy it a little differently because of the differences in their ability. But I think KZ showed up and he got off to a good start. He didn't do anything majorly impressive, but he didn't do anything to continue to warrant the question of, does he deserve to be on this team? I think he showed you that he's working on what it is you need him to work on, and he can hit the shot in game with opportunities and with the practice that he's putting in because you know he's going to be a good defender for your team. His size, his athleticism, and his know-how on that side of the ball won't allow him to not be. So, again, to kind of throw that back up, I wasn't using that for our purposes or because I'm a big plus-minus guy all of a sudden. They just use that to poo-poo on the guy, so I threw it out there. 
So, another guy that I was really encouraged by, Gabe Vincent. He looked really good as well. If that jumper, you know, last season he had his his stroke looks terrific as always, but the open shots were just simply not falling. So, I think it was mentioned on the broadcast that if his open jump shots fall and for a fall at a an average clip, that could be huge for us as well. He had seven assists on Monday. He mostly shared the floor with the second unit because again he's going to be our lead guard or our point guard in the second unit when as with Oladipo on the shelf for the foreseeable future. And hey, Max Drews, we're counting on him to make a jump now that he's got a regular contract. You know, sometimes we might underestimate how how big it is for these guys that to have in the back of their minds that they're on a two-way contract and that their dream of playing the NBA could end it could end on a phone call. You know what I'm saying? I think that should take a bit of a of a weight off their shoulders. So I'm expecting big things from both those guys, Gabe Benson and Max Truss, as our as our big contributors off the bench to hand on what you said man speaking of like something they said on the broadcast about Gabe Vincent I thought you were going here but they also said even though his shot wasn't falling last year the guys that are the decision makers in the organization Coach Bo, you know Pat Riley all those guys Ellisberg all those other guys like that they know what he can do when he's shooting the ball right so they know that he can shoot the ball which is why he's still around and as they mentioned if the shots fall and with his defensive acumen that he showed or that he gained or that he improved vastly last year via the tutelage of um, A.B. Avery Bradley, thank you for that, um, you know, then he's going to be a valuable contributor. I think that was a big question coming into the season and still is because as we've mentioned 17 times, I'm counting, maybe not, maybe a little more, it's only one preseason game, but he showed you that he may have a chance, like you said, to be that lead guard or that other lead guard off the bench, especially while we're waiting on Oladipo to get back. So I was really encouraged about what I saw there. Now, you know, of all people, I am extremely high on Max Drews. You know that. Um, Oh, yeah. You've mentioned it multiple times. Absolutely. I'm extremely high on Max Drews. And I mean, I think that he's really the Duncan of the second unit. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say that because he's a white guy that can flat out shoot it. No, (laughs) I say that because he really is the Duncan of the second unit. What he does, even if he's not the best player, is what will allow everybody else to do what they can do. And he showed it the other night. He doesn't care who you are and where you are. He will pull up. And there's a high likelihood that it's going to drop. But not only that, he's showing you everything else. And I've been high on this and trying to hmm, put this energy in the air. The man has a versatile game. He can put it on the floor. And when he gets to the cup, if you're not watching yourself, he will make you look bad. He had a move the oh, other yeah. night along the left side baseline where I think the yurt, the big yurt, also saw some minutes from him, which I'm sure we'll touch on. Maybe just a couple of seconds because he didn't do a ton, but he had some good minutes and you like to see the big you fella have, get you some have 14 run. minutes. Right. You like, you, you know, you like to see the young big fella get some run. That's good for him. Um, but he, but, but Struz had a pass from yurt. And he had the guy on the left baseline, and he hit him with a dribble. And then off the dribble, hit the guy with a hard bounce step. And, I mean, it was some – you see LeBron or Russ Westbrook do it every other night. But the ref quickly blew a whistle. And I'm like, yo, that was a panic call. Like, I don't think that was a walk, which is what he called. But you're talking about refs who's not used to seeing a guy like Max Struess do that. So maybe they blew it because of that must have been something. And I had to highlight it, man. No, he has that type of stuff in his bag. So I think that – 
when you look at that second unit and you look at guys like Tyler Harrow, you look at guys like Max Struess, you look at guys like Dwayne Dedman, Uncle Daddy, you look at guys like Gabe Vincent, you look at guys like Keith, you're talking about the Miami Heat not only having a chance to have one of the most potent first units in the game, but they also have a chance to have one of the most potent second units in the game because they got confident guys on that second unit that know what they can do. And I think Max Struess is the key to that. We know Tyler Hero is the best player on the second unit. And we already know what he's going to do. We look at last year and you tell those people that were down on him that, hey, man, he took his leap in the bubble. And don't get me wrong, we want him to continue to increase, which he did, statistically anyway. But we know he's going to be the best player on that unit. But when you look at a guy like Max Struess, who's not expected to do that, who can also give you some of that same pop and sizzle. And from all three levels... That's huge, man. So I think he's really going to be an important piece, which will allow Tyler Hero to be Tyler Hero. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head with Max Struess. His, hey, I mean, last season he had a couple of games. I think it was a, a game against the Blazers, I, I remember. The game right after the trade deadline, he had a dunk. And that was the game where it really like came to me like, hey, this guy is not dunking in the sense that Duncan's a bit afraid of driving the ball, or maybe he just doesn't have the doesn't feel like he has the handle to go to the cup. Max Truce is not afraid to go to the cup. And, you know, he compensates what Duncan, of course, he's he's an elite shooter, probably on his way to being a historic shooter. I'm I'm I don't think that's a stretch to say. Agree, agree. So, but what Max Drews lacks in that shooting department, he makes up for it driving to the cup. And I think Bro, that's so big for us. That's the way I say it. I say, listen, Max Drews and Duncan are very similar. It's just that where Duncan is the better flat-out shooter, Max Drews makes up for that lack of shooting, which isn't that far, that awfully far behind. He makes up for that with his ability to do everything else. And, of course, and he's you know, small... It, He's smaller than Duncan. I think he's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, whereas Duncan is a full 6'8". But again, Max Struess's bounce, his pop, and his ability to do everything else on offense makes up for all of that. And, you know, it's nothing. It's, there's nothing wrong with being a bit behind Duncan in terms of shooting because, again, as I mentioned, the guy is on right. track to be an all-time exactly. shooter. We're talking about, look, man, this, you, 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 remember the, you remember the thing last year where they were like, what's wrong with Duncan? I'm like, man, he's still shooting 40%. On eight attempts. What do you mean was wrong with him? There's nothing wrong with him. It's just that they were used to see him, as I have mentioned, plenty of times before. He shot 45 in the year before, so now they're thinking extraordinary is a regular. No, that's stupid special, man. Nobody shoots 45% on over eight attempts. That's why you're looking at this like a down year. That's an all-time great shooting year. And I'm not saying that as hyperbole. It's literally... Like statistically, one of the best shooting years in NBA history. Oh no, absolutely, I agree. And again, I don't think that he's. I don't think that that flat out forty where he found himself finishing last year is his, is his norm. I think he's somewhere between forty and forty five. I'm not saying he's forty five, but I can definitely see him being like forty one, forty two this year. Could you? Yeah, forty five. I could see him going up from forty. Maybe not forty five because forty five is. As good of a shooter as he right, is, as you that's, uh, that's really special. hard to do. All-time special, yeah. but 41, 42, totally in play. Yeah, for him, absolutely. And again, that's why we're so excited for this team, to see this team play meaningful games soon enough. We're like two weeks away. I can't wait, man. I'm, I'm too excited for this season. So, 
Anything else? Oh, Omer. We even talk about him. Oh, yeah, man. Like I said, you love the minutes that the big yurt got. Um, you, I'm interested to see how they go about deploying him. As I've also, we didn't talk about this either, but I did mention Deadman a couple of times. And since we're talking about Bam and the big yurt, I think we're going to see bigger lineups this year. I just think we have the size and the versatility with that size to be able to deploy it. Um, so I think that's something to look forward to. But as I mentioned, he only played 14 minutes. And though he only played 14 minutes, you didn't see a ton of his offensive game from a scoring perspective highlighted. But you're really encouraged by the fact that in those 14 minutes, Yersevin was able to grab eight boards. So he finished with four points, a dime, and eight boards across 14 minutes. Like I said, man, you just encouraged to see the run by the big fella. And he belongs. He fits. And I don't know where he is in the rotation. I'm sure it's behind Uncle Daddy and Bam. But, um, you know, I think he's going to find himself getting minutes in certain situations, and especially in those situations where we decide to or where we need to go bigger. Yeah, I think that's right on the head. Also, hey, let's make a suggestion to both. Play a, 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 or your seven, Detman, Bam, Jimmy, Duncan lineup. Come on, bro. That's gonna... <laughs> you just named six, you just named six guys, but I'm with it. I named six guys? No. No, I said, what was that five? I was that was five. Bam, Yurt, Detman, Jimmy, and Duncan. Oh man. Okay, you did name five guys. Maybe they were so maybe you're talking about such a big lineup that I thought all the extra room accounted for another guy. Listen, man. Um you plop <laughs> Bam down at that small forward and tell him, look, I don't need you at the three point line. Free throw line extended, right parallel, and you work that area. I need you at the high post, Yurt, and I need you and Deadman running high low. Come on, man. Come on, man. We're talking crazy right now. Such an NBA live lineup, but I that, would be well, interested. That would probably get, when that would probably the get them. When we play the Bulls, we can use that. Oh, well, if the Bulls want to run out a a Vucevic, I, I forgot the, their, their Vucevic, Patrick Williams, and whoever else they want to throw out there. Hold on. Didn't they, um, is, didn't they sign Daniel Tice too? Hold on. Didn't Tice go back to... To Houston? Oh, no, no, no. He's with Houston. You're right. I'm sorry. He's with Houston. He was with them yeah, last was, year. He was with them last year. Say, no. Hold on. The Bulls got some size, though, man, because I know that's been a theme for us running through the season. Let me see that roster. Because they got they – got, uh, remember where we were talking DeRozan, about? DeRozan, DeRozan has he's been playing some power forward. Yeah, he's going to play a lot of four for them. I know that. Um, let me see. So they Why got, are we talking about the Bulls? I know, man. I know. Well, you the one that's <laughs> going to watch a I lot of I know that I, it's been well documented my fascination with this year's Chicago Bulls. Because I'm just trying because... to find – hey, look, man. I'm just trying to find us a team where we can run out that fascinating lineup of Jimmy, Duncan, Bam, Yurtseven, and Deadman. Because I'm with it. The Raptors. If they deploy a, a Siakam, OG, and Scotty Barnes lineup, we can counter with that. We're well, probably going to get burned on the perimeter, but you know what, they won't though? score in, on the inside. My big thing about playing big is specifically for the Bucks and maybe the Sixers because Tobias Harris isn't a little guy. But the Bucks um, are probably the, the team because when you think about it, they play, They literally play Giannis, Bobby, Brooke lineups. So, hey, maybe we're not that crazy. Yeah, that's well. I well, see. That was my whole thing about being able to play big in the first place. Because even if you don't include Bobby, Giannis and Brooke were a problem for us size wise in the playoffs last year. That two man lineup, and that's why you're able to park Brooke at the rim because you have size and Giannis to contend everywhere else. You know what I mean? So in order to be able to counter that, 
You have to have guys that could go down there and bang with him and get him away from the rim, or you have to have another big guy that threatens him enough where you have to move. Yeah, all we have to do is see how Omer really has to... He needs to adjust to NBA speed when he's playing defense because I know that's going to be rough at first when whenever oh, he totally. plays. Definitely. I mean, there were so many plays in the summer league where, again, we highlighted this too. I don't know how in the hell the man got behind him. It's like Omer was looking at him and the guy still ran right past him. And then by the time Omer realizes, hey, I might need to get back, the guy's laying the ball up. So, no, I agree with you. That's, that's his offensively, even on the boards. And even as a rim protector, to go back and give my boy Kezzy some more love, if you think about the summer league, KZ operated as the anchor from the top because he switched everything at the top and funneled everything to Yurt's event, which allowed him to just be a shot blocker, which is why if you looked at the summer league box score, you would have thought that he was a defensive beast. But no, he was just able to play off of what they were doing around him, mainly KZ, and that was having this defense funnel everything to him where he could just clean it up. I mean, actually getting to that point of blocking the shot Everything in between is where he suffers, and that's where you can be killed. Yeah, that's that's why I don't expect to see him much, at least at the beginning of the season. Hell, even the entire season, because whenever if you put him out there against NBA level competition, it's gonna be rough on the on that end. So, and you know, it's NBA speed. It's it, it's gonna take a while. Absolutely, but that's a job for our next topic, and the provide what we like to call a beautiful segue. Um, that's going to be Spo's job to make sure he's right. But speaking of Spo and making sure somebody's right, maybe this is the year where I got finally get some Coach of the Year love, man. I mean, hasn't ever won it. Um, I, 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 yeah, I want to say hasn't ever won it, and I do the research every so often. No, um, he but, he's never won it. Right. If you look at um, the GM polls, the annual polls that are taken at the begin, beginning of every year, um, the league's general manager is actually – chose him as the best coach this year. Uh, if you look at the breakdown of the voting, it went Eric Spolstra, 55%, Monty Williams of Phoenix, 17%, Quinn Snyder of Utah, 14%, Greg Popovich, 10%, and Mike Budenholzer, 3%. Um, Spo wanted by a mile, man. And though this doesn't mean anything, you know that everybody around the league respects Spo and know how great he is. You just finally hope that the voters at the end of the year shows the man the love that um you know he 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 rightfully deserves i think he doesn't get enough credit to the job he did with the big three everybody looks oh well you got lebron james doing win and chris bosh of course he's gonna win no i don't think he gets he, he he doesn't get appreciated nearly enough for what he did with that team and he never got the recognition at the moment because at the moment everybody was so focused on the three big the three stars and again of course in order to win you need You need guys. You always need to. But the way he was able to deploy them and handle them, that's so huge. And I think that's what we don't win those championships if, if we have a with, without him. I agree, man. I agree. And I think that gets way too overlooked. Um, if the team with the most talent won the title every year, half of the titles that have been won wouldn't be won by the people that they were won by. So to say that because he had the talent he was supposed to win, that actually made the job harder. Um, and then to think about the fact that, yeah, you do have these three ultra uber talented guys, but then your other 12 guys are guys that you strapped around them besides maybe three or four guys that you managed to keep or bring in on different little, you know, uh, contract situations to fill in premium type. 
and you look at, you know, certain guys, are Shane Battier's or Chalmers as those guys, but for the most part, you were able to fill in the gaps with guys that, you know, weren't necessarily being looked at by other guys. I mean, Chris Anderson ended up being huge for us, but when Chris Anderson came in, it wasn't like we were in a bidding war for him. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. guys like that are the guys that ended up filling out the whole big three roster and helped them win a title. And you can't give Spo enough credit for not only managing that situation, but for coming out on the other side of it successful. I mean, a lot of people want to say, no, they should have won all four titles. No, it's the NBA. And like I said, the best team doesn't always win the title. Look at the Pistons. They wouldn't have that title in 04 if the best team won the title. But if you look at it for what it's worth, he won 50% of the titles in that span. He won two of the four. He he he's, he was a success. And you can't I don't, really... I don't blame that. I don't blame 2011 or 2014 on him. 2011. I mean, we, we won't even that. talk about that, but we know who we blame it on. Yeah. Who, is, who do you blame it on? I blame them both well, on the same guy. Of course. Well, 2014, no. I don't blame on the same guy. If we're talking about the same guy. No, you know who we're talking about. We're talking e- about look, man, number six. Even, even if you tell us in the middle of the year, this is my last year. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't, I think that whole situation of what's LeBron going to do? Is he coming back? I think that whole situation was a dark cloud over that last year. And I think it helped him. But you also, go ahead. You also, you also got to take into account D-Way couldn't play back-to-back games by that point. Man. He was breaking down. Listen. And that roster, that roster got, hey, that roster got old really fast. I understand that. But let me ask you this. Has there ever been a better LeBron James? Not to my knowledge. Right. When you're talking about the guy that is, I'll say it, when you're talking about the Jordan equivalent, if you got one more all-timer, you're supposed to win it. When you're at the peak, of, when you're Super Saiyan Genzu beamed up, and you're Jordan equivalent, and you got one more all-timer, win it. I don't want no excuses. Maybe I'm being too harsh, but I'm just saying, man. And he's my favorite player. I'll, be, I'll say it. LeBron's my favorite player. But when you're at the peak of your powers, when you're the absolute face of the league, everybody knows that you're unstoppable if you decide to get it done. And when you got one more all-time at your disposal and you got a coach like Spo who can draw it up for you, get but it that's, done. That's that's the thing. In 2014, the other guy wasn't playing at an all-time level. Bosh. Bosh is an all-timer, bro. Oh. I Bosh thought you went way because I was, I was like, well, I don't know what Dwayne Wade was watching. I love D Wade, but by 2014. Bro. Come yeah, on, man. Did, did, did Boss just not go to the hall? Yes, he went to the hall. Come on, man. I'll give you Come that. on, JJ. Come on, JJ. But look, look at the other. What are we talking? I, I, that team made me so sad. Whatever. You fired me up, JJ. Man. We're talking this because you did this. You fired me up. Yeah, the Spurs kicked our, our ass that uh, uh, But again, man, and, and you, if you're going to lose to anybody, though, if you're going to lose to anybody and be okay with it, it's the Spurs and them. I mean, can you be mad at them? The way they played that game, they were playing possessed. They played. Oh, every- right. Absolutely. But I also little- tell you this. I also tell you this. There isn't a guy on that team that can stop LeBron when he says, I'm going to get it done. No, not even Kawhi. Right. But here's the thing that those beautiful games, Spurs, they, 
Oh, JJ, let's not let's not do this. Let's not do this. I'm, even I'm though they sad. were my even even though they beat my favorite team, they were a beauty to watch on offense. I'm getting sad, JJ. Like, why are we doing this to ourselves? Anyway, uh -uh. let's go. Uh, the pain. But anyway, let's 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 let's, uh, let's 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 ask the question and then move on to our final topic. Do you think that Spo will finally get his coach of the year love this year? Yes or no? If he gets a top three seed, absolutely. I agree with you. I think that this is the year that he does it. Unless Frank Vogel does something special with the Lakers, or I, I don't think the Suns can replicate what they did last season. I'm sorry, they're really Quinn Snyder doesn't seem like he'll get it due to their playoff failures. Steve Nash won't get his credit because we have seen that whenever you have a big three like that, you don't get love as a coach. Right. And it might be a big two. <laughs> so maybe if if they navigate that successfully, well, he might get it. Mike Budenholzer. He's a champion. He's the defending champ. They'll right, but nobody say, hey, likes Mike Budenholzer. His job will exactly. be in question by February. Um, oh, listen. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> uh, I no, will say, man, all, I, I said it once, him, I said it once and I'll say blood. it again. Uh, I'll, always, I'll say it once and I'll say it again. He should thank, he should have a shrine to Kevin Durant's feet on his, on his, on his house. Uh, I agree. Let me ask you about a guy that's not on this list. Um, with Clay's comeback, of course, you still have Steph. Um, I don't know what's going on in the Ben Simmons front, but just with Clay's coming back and adding that back to Steph, and you know, just improvements they've made, do you think that Golden State could pop back up on the scene in the West? And um, if they do, could Steve Kerr jump back into this list? Because I think he would be the guy not mentioned here that you really have to give a hard look to, especially with all they have a chance to do out there. I'll, I'll give you another guy, Mike Malone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. I mean, because they just read up. They just read up Aaron, Aaron Gordon. So they're serious about you know trying to win the thing. So uh, if they're able to, even without Murray, I expect Denver to be a top four seed. Mm. Because well, they typically say that thing takes a year. So maybe I think, it's just a, I think I'm so high on MPJ and Yo the combination of MPJ and Jokic. Yeah. And how yep. they fit together. That MPJ has all star potential this season. And I seriously mean that. Well, he but they he better for the money they just gave him. Yeah, they they also gave him a fat contract. Yeah, they, he better. But um, to to touch on something that I don't want to get too far away from before we move on to our last topic, you mentioned the Sun situation. That's also an interesting situation because you look at what they were able to do last year and how big. DeAndre Aiden was to that whole process, and now they got that whole situation going on out there. So to speak towards um, the signs and Monty Williams not being able to replicate what they were able to do last year is already not starting off on a good pace if you look at DeAndre Aiden and his contract situation. And to go back to the mental, the mental aspect of it all and that whole black cloud that I thought LeBron's pending departure had over the Miami Heat that year, um, you also look at Aiden and his situation and how it might impact the Suns and their fate this year. Now, let me be clear. I don't think that was the reason that they lost. I do think that that had something to do with the Heat's final year. But you also have to give the Spurs credit for coming out and doing what they had to do. So please don't try to hold that to me. No, I'm not saying that. Am I saying that was in play? Am I saying that was a storyline that shouldn't have been a storyline? Absolutely. 
But I'm also saying that the Spurs came out and did their part for clarity. And to parallel that to what we're talking about now, you could see that same type of situation with Phoenix unless they're able to figure out something with eight. And it, they should just go ahead and give him the max because I think you I think if you're think smart and player. if you wanna if you wanna compete at the highest level, you have to. And what other moves could they could they have and get up and what other player could be available that gives him that type of value? No. He he is a franchise cornerstone player. Unless they, the, unless, max. the only thing you could do, the only thing you could do is try to pull a Simon trade. Because it's the only like if you're gonna trade him, you're not gonna trade him as, as a free agent because even though the team that you're trading into, you know, probably wants to sign him anyway, they're gonna play that, you know, they're gonna play that leverage card on you. Hey man, you don't have him signed to a deal. He don't want to be there. He could leave us. Why are we gonna give you the house if you do the sign and trade? then there's a commitment and you can get more of what you want. So that would be the only move there. But I don't see why, just, especially when you know just, that core. I just feel for Suns fans because they could, this could be another title contender broken up by Sarver's. Hey, bro, if Aiden cheating. is out, if Aiden is out, you go from being a contender to looking again, to being to wandering in the desert. And here's the kicker. You're also locked into CP. The whole time, yeah. the Houston Rockets I mean, at that point. If you're, if you're, if you got CP locked up at that for that long, you gotta be going for it every single year that he has left in his contract. Well, that's the thought. That's the thought. But if they let Aiden go, then you know they're telling you that they're not fully invested, right? Right. And hell, if they don't give him the contract soon, I don't see. I don't feel like they're fully invested. Because it doesn't matter what anybody's trying to say, those type of situations they linger over everybody. And and by the way, there's another guy that's a key piece to their championship contention hopes, and that's Mikhail Bridges, who is all will also be due for an extension soon. So I don't know how they're planning to deal with that because three and D wings of Mikhail Bridges caliber don't grow on trees, you know. No. So anyway, I think. That whole situation with Phoenix is interesting to say the least. So, Kenneth, you want to say something else on that department? Nah, man, I think we're good there. But while we're out west, we can move on to our last topic, which will be tomorrow's preseason game. I'm sorry, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so we're talking tomorrow as in Thursday. Wednesday, October, October 6th. 6th. We're recording yeah, so Wednesday, tomorrow, October 6th. Thursday would be October 7th of the Heat's second preseason game, which just so, so happens time- to be against... The Houston Rockets. By the time the people are first listening to this, the game... It'll be Thursday. It'll be Thursday. Okay. So the game won't be but a few hours away. So, for the Houston Rockets, of course, the headliner is Jalen Green. Absolutely. Second overall pick of the, of the draft. He went over six with, from three in his first game, but he was a menace on the way to the cup. Hey, man, he's a rookie. I just expect... If, if you're a team like they are, you just expect them to be, you know, fight, you know, have your your franchise cornerstone take a lot of shots and coach him up and have the other guys support him. Christian Wood, he finally, he, you know, what do you expect from this game, really? Because it's, since it's a preseason game, I really don't know what to expect. Could Jimmy Butler play on our, you know, on our end? Let's let's try to speak it on our end, which is the I mean, one that well, we know most of. Well, he has to play. He has to play. So do you sit out Bam or Kyle, or do you 
leave them all three. That's an interesting question. That's an interesting question. Um, I don't know if you ever sit out Bam because remind you, Bam is like what twenty three, twenty four, um, and he's, he's not a preseason dude. Off, he's not. He's still not coming off an injury though, and you want Bam to be more offensively aggressive. You want him to fully get comfortable with that in the preseason. You don't want to. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know if you ever sit Bam. I'm. I'm not saying you don't. I just don't know if you ever do. Um, but I do think that Kyle Lord will get a break during the preseason. But I think you have to play Jimmy in the second game because he set out the first game. And you also don't necessarily sit Kyle Lord in this game because you do want to get some time with Jimmy, Kyle, and Bam on the floor during the preseason, which also plays into why I don't know if all three of them will ever have a chance sitting. Now, maybe you get to those last games in the preseason where none of your main guys play. You know what I mean? That's a different situation, but I don't know if it'll be – you know, these two guys play tonight, bam, sits out. You know what I'm saying? So, did he have six preseason games this year, which seems like a lot to me. They thought they were they, they should have kept him at four, but, you know, this is, will be their second preseason game. And, you know, the preseason is sometimes good for guys that are on the fringes for them to make an impact and make their final roster. But right right now, Miami wants to enter with a with an open ro- roster spot. And under the luxury tax line, so I don't think there's anybody on the fringes here. Anyway, I think the smart bet would be for all three of them to play. Although I don't expect them to play all that much. Probably fifteen fifteen minutes each, and you wrap it up, right? Or and you let hell not even Tyler should play a lot this this coming game. Well, see, here's the kicker. You know what? Now that I look at the schedule, bro, nobody will probably play massive minutes, and Cal Laurie will probably sit out Friday because they have the Rockets on Thursday, and then at 8.30 on Friday they have the Spurs. Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Bam and Kyle sit down, sit, sit for that game. We'll see. I can see that too. In a back-to-back situation like that, I can see that. Maybe all three guys sit down. You don't want Jimmy on a on the you on know the second half on the se- on the second half of back to back in the preseason. You don't want you don't want your best players playing. But then that'll be that last game. Whereas I'm thinking like maybe against the Celtics or maybe against the second matchup against the Hawks. You sit your main guys. If they sit all three of them against the Spurs, then they're probably all going to play the final three games. I wouldn't even go that far. I think they will probably play together. Two of those, th- two of those three games, and they play very little. It's a preseason, man. You got to be really careful, especially coming off a season where you dealt with so much absences. I understand, but you're talking about, you know, a lot of COVID absences. It wasn't all injuries, and at the same time, you're also talking about a new look team. And while Jimmy and Kyle are friends and they have a built-in chemistry already, I think that it's still worth it to make sure that they get ample court time especially in a real live-action environment, although preseason for the 32nd time, you know, mm-hmm. I still think it's important to get those guys some live-action reps. And I don't think you can ever discount having your stuff together before you enter the regular part of the season, be that game one or game 81. Yeah. I, I'm i going to side on the – I don't think on Friday we'll see – I don't. I think on Friday we won't see all three guys. Oh, no, I agree with you there. Now that we've, you know, we looked at the schedule – I agree. So, I think this wraps. Hey, you want to listen to? You want? I just saw some something came up on my phone. You want to listen to it? 
It's football related. I think this is the first time we were discussing football in this podcast. I don't think the I, if the people don't know you're a huge Cowboys fan. I think I am, a, and I already know. And I I was upset when it happened, and I'm already tweeting about it. Now watch Jalen Smith go be great with the Packers. Yeah, and hey, that Fresh that, that that brings something to mind when Aaron Rodgers said in his press conference that. People don't come to Green to Green Bay because it's a nice place to, to go. They come to. to play with me. Yeah. Talk about you know what? I sometimes I, I God, we're we're veering really off track here, but let me get this final thought. I really sometimes I appreciate I feel like more superstar athletes should be as candid as Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. Well see that's the thing about Aaron Rodgers, and that's why he has so many issues, because he tells you exactly what's on his mind. And you scream and holler as an executive, as a fan, as anybody involved with a team, that this is what we want. And then when he does it, it's a problem. Yeah. Anyway, Kenneth, this is a good episode. It's always a good episode with you, JJ. Yeah, we because we always do great content, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305CulturePod. You can also leave a short review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating if you can. That will really help the show grow. And subscribe, please. As it helps the... I just re, the you know I just recently learned that the algorithms pick that up. And when you subscribe, more people get to see the pod. And, you know, go go give it to... Go give those algorithms some of the show for the other people. Kenneth, before we Absolutely. go. Absolutely. And, and where can they find you on social media, JJ? You know I was going to ask you. Yeah, that's what I was going to let you do. You can find me at JJ Rivera NBA. That's J-J-R-I-V as in Victor, E-R-A-N-B-A. That on Twitter, you can find me on that. On Instagram, it's a bit it's a bit more difficult because it's more, of a, it's more Spanish related, although you can still find me and follow me if you desire. HiRiv98, that's J-A-I-R-O-R-I-V-98. And where can we find you, my friend? They can find me on Twitter at K, said K, that's underscores in the middle, K underscore, said underscore, K, S-A-I-D-Q-U-E. And on Instagram, you can find me at I am K serious. That's I am K-C-I-R-R-U-S kind of got a little tongue twisted on my spiel there but we got it out so thank you for listening to this episode see you next week bye bye